0: The despair as you're hearing our voices today, the despair could be great. You may feel very despondent, Um, don't give
1: up, you will not regret it, stay in the game. Dr. Gregory Jantz joins us today on Focus on the Family offering insights into how to heal from depression. And I do hope you'll stay with us because we hear from so many people who are dealing with depression themselves or a friend or a family member has it. I'm John Fuller, your host is Focus president and author Jim Daly.
2: John, Dr. Jantz has been with us before at Focus on the Family, and we're so grateful to have him back. Uh, you know, now more than ever, um, so many people are struggling with depression, anxiety, and other things, and uh, this is Dr. Jantz's specialty, uh, helping families to thrive in Christ Is focus is goal for every family, Mm -hmm. and we want to address these hard issues so that people are better equipped uh, to get in that place of of shalom, of God's peace, experiencing it mm-hmm. and living it. So I'm looking forward to today's program. Um, he's experienced the darkness himself about going through depression. So not only is he a mental health professional, but he's also experienced it himself. I think mm-hmm. that brings a lot
1: of credibility. Yeah, and professionally, Dr. Jantz is the founder of The Center, A Place of Hope, in Edmonds, Washington. It's a renowned treatment center for depression, and uh, he's written some 45 books one that really captures a lot of what we're talking about today is called Healing Depression for Life, the personalized approach that offers new hope for lasting relief. Details about the book and our guests are in the program notes. Dr. Jans, welcome back to Focus. So good to have you here.
0: It is so good to be here. And I just want to begin by saying there's hope.
2: That's good. That's uh, where there's hope, there's a future. That's what the scripture's all about. I mean, I wish people that didn't know the Lord understood that and would at least be curious enough to embrace it. And I think it's important right from the beginning Mm. here uh, because some people are uneasy when we talk about mental health issues. uh, And somehow it fits a different category for some people like uh, diabetes or some uh, body issue. People are comfortable Mm. talking about that and medicines that can be used to treat those things. But when it comes to mental health, it tends to be a little more of a taboo subject, uh, particularly for Christians.
0: It is. and let's just be really bold with this today. We know that depression, and I know the word is not even a fun word, but depression right. and and anxiety have a stronghold on many, and we need to talk about how do you get out of that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Also, I want to you know, kind of give you the opportunity right from the beginning here, when you're melding psychology and your faith in Christ right. Uh, speak to that and how, you know, it's like the scientists of old, Newton discovering gravity because he believed he had a faith in Christ, or uh, Louis Pasteur, or any of those great right. scientists that had a, I would suggest, a better well roundedness when it came to theology and psychology and other things that they would study. But these were typically men and women of faith. Absolutely. And
0: without faith as the foundation, with, as you're looking in this topic of psychology or counseling, without that as the foundation, you can go down the wrong path. Let me just say that.
2: Yeah, but it is possible to see in psychology yes. God's design oh, for the yes. human brain. I mean, uh,
0: Absolutely. And, and we're told that we can have a sound mind. And we'll talk about that.
2: Well, how about fear not? Yeah, and fear not. I mean, another one. So the scripture really does delve into these issues. We may not notice it as a medical connection, but often it is, right? Yes. Okay, let's get to it. According to the 2020 National Survey on Drug Use and Health in 2020, I want to make sure I got that date right, um, I think they estimated, and even the new information now is like one in four People are dealing with depression. If I understand that correctly, that could be over 80 million people in this country.
0: Jimlin, let's say that again, one out of four. That means that you know somebody. If it's not you, we're all touched by somebody in the struggle with depression. Uh, we all know someone. And those numbers have risen exponentially since COVID, since post-pandemic. And we're seeing those numbers continue to increase right now.
2: Yeah, maybe since cable news, too, (laughs) right? I mean, everything is fear. Everything everything is is falling apart. And uh, it is true that
0: right now, the number one diagnosis in our country and, and many others is anxiety followed by depression. Yeah, And we're seeing the addiction rates have skyrocketed. Anytime addiction rates go up, depression and anxiety will go up as well.
2: Wow. That's interesting. Let me, let me start, because I think for people viewing us on YouTube yes. and listening to the broadcast or the podcast, wherever this is going to be, your personal journey brings a lot of validity to this. You're not just some scientist who's looking at this from afar. You've gone through it. I know what it's like to walk through the despair and the despondency.
0: Those two words, despair and despondency. I've been there. I know what it's like. And I also know what it's like to get out of it. And I know you need a plan. And that's when we see hope when we have a plan. And though it was many years ago for me, I remember what I went through. And I think it gave me a special empathy and care and compassion when I see others suffering because
2: I know there's a way out. Yeah. Describe it, though. I mean, I feel like uh, for me, I've always been buoyant. I've always even... You know, I think you would call it resiliency. Mm -hmm. But you know, being an orphan kid, I just got up every day and said, okay, I got to put my left foot in front of my right foot. I didn't feel like I had a choice to be sad. Right? It's like, I just got to go. And so I've never really experienced that. What that depression, what does that feel like? We
0: need to look at depression because it can come from a lot of different sources. And as we look at this today, that's why we've got to look at the whole person, how God designed us. What's it feel like? It's the person in the morning you're trying to get out of bed and you go, ah, I don't even know if I can make it through this day. And it takes all your energy to function. You probably notice it's hard to make a decision. You might've had a restless night of sleep. You feel like, man, my appetite's way off. I'm either not eating or I'm eating all the time. And you're looking for a way of escape. And maybe you've already tried a lot of things. You go, well, uh, I've done this, I've done that, but it seems like nothing has worked. And you still have, I'll use the word oppression, you still have this heaviness over you. Mm. And you begin to wonder, well, what's wrong with me? Uh, You may even say to yourself, I'm a Christian, and I I shouldn't be having this trouble. And you may be struggling with that, Mm. Uh, especially when you feel like you've done everything I know to do, and I'm still struggling.
2: Yeah. Uh, In the book, you talk about three deadly emotions blocking progress for those suffering from depression. Let's nail those down. What are those three deadly emotions?
0: We always want to cover all the bases. So emotionally, I want to look at three potentially deadly emotions. Mm -hmm. One is anger. Maybe another word for anger could be resentment, unforgiveness, hurt. Hurts a good word for anger. And maybe I haven't even realized I've internalized all this hurt. And internalizing that hurt, I have found myself uh, full of bitterness, and I don't even realize that's what's Mm -hmm. happened. Okay, Mm -hmm. So that could be anger and hurt. Then there's fear. Maybe I grew up in a family where there was a lot of intimidation or fear, and I, I learned how to be an anxious person. Mm -hmm. or perhaps I have something going on in my body that's putting out a lot of anxiety. So it's a physical issue, but anxiety paralyzes the brain and it it makes it hard for us to make a decision. When I'm anxious, my self-doubt is high. I can't seem to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't feel worthy. I probably don't feel loved. So that's anger, fear. The last one is guilt. Mm -hmm. Now, another word for guilt here could be shame. I really believe there's something defective about me. Something is wrong with me. I feel shameful. I feel like ultimately God can't even love me. And that affects all my relationships.
2: You let me make sure that we understand that clearly, because when it comes to guilt, there is a healthy guilt. There's a healthy guilt. And I want to make sure we We differentiate. We don't want to ignore that. You know, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, you're moving in the wrong direction and you shouldn't be doing those things that you're doing. That's a good guilt. That's a good guilt, Jim. And we need
0: to respond to that and seek forgiveness, seek the remedy of asking somebody for forgiveness. But we're talking about a false guilt or a shame that says, I just believe there's something really wrong with me, and and I'm always going to be this way.
2: Well, shame, and I think it's so important for people to understand this, especially in their relationship with Christ. God does not shame us, in my opinion. I mean, I don't see anything in Scripture where it's shaming. It's a desire to love us and to move us to a healthier place. Right. Give us an example of what shame, you know, you mentioned that, but a person who internalizes that shame, what does that sound like in our head? Well, if I
0: internalize shame, I'm going to probably be depressed. I'm going to be anxious. And if I've internalized shame, maybe I've been able to go so far in life, but my relationships just are not where I know they could be. I may struggle with intimacy if I have a lot of shame. It may be hard for me to trust people. Shame is like an invisible block Uh between me and other people because I can't really have the real relationship I'd like to have.
2: Yeah, you worked with a man named Andrew who dealt with those three deadly emotions. Um, Share about his journey uh, that led him to healing.
0: Well, one of the deadly emotions there was the emotion of ultimately unforgiveness so shame unforgiveness and having this intense anger and not really understanding that that's what's the core you see i believe with the whole person approach and with andrew we had to get down to what was the core issues that he has been facing his whole life and his whole struggle with with depression mm. now one of those happened to been uh really ultimately hurt uh shame in his life and that had to be addressed but you know, we do need to look at the whole person. If I live that way for a long time, I've gotta change how I think. I have to renew my thinking as well. Yeah. And maybe I haven't taken good care of myself physically. So I've gotta change how I care for myself. Uh, so when you have healing from depression, and Andrew had this, it is a process of healing in all areas of your life. It'll start in one area, emotionally, but it's gonna have a ripple effect. In other areas of your
2: life. Oh, which is so good. You also, this wasn't in the book, but uh, you mentioned to our producer uh, something about silent depression and how it's damaging marriages today.
0: Oh, I really do want to speak to this. Silent depression in our marriages. What we're seeing now is perhaps one person, a spouse, who's been suffering for a long time and it's affected intimacy, Uh, there's emotional isolation, there's a pulling away in the relationship, and maybe it was subtle, maybe it was sneaky over time, and before you know it, there seems to be great distance. But we've never really understood what the spouse, the one we love so much, has been suffering from, is depression. Mm. So we've never really called it what it is. I'm just saying, well, there's been a silent depression, it's been affecting the marriage, in ways, so we just want to shed some light on
2: that. Yeah. In that context, though, uh, you know, for the wife who is listening yes. right now, or maybe the husband, right? They may have a gnawing sense that it might exist in me or in my spouse. What, right. What is a kind of a checklist to? Identify it and validate it. Sure. One of the first things to look at: it, Am I moving
0: away from my spouse, moving away from my loved ones? Am I emotionally isolating more and more? Would I rather spend my whole night engaged in technology or with my spouse? For example, what are my escapism behaviors? Mm. Am I developing a secret addiction? Mm. That's a big one. What it, does that look like?
2: What are those? It looks like addictions? maybe
0: I am. Maybe it's with food. Mm-hmm. I'm secretly eating, or maybe it's with alcohol. I'm starting to do some things that are kind of surprising myself, but, and it, I'm trying to keep it a secret. And it's just a way of self-medicating.
1: Yeah, yeah Along those lines, uh, Dr. Jance, my wife and I are kind of opposites in uh, some respects. I tend to be a little more buoyant, and uh, sometimes she'll say, well, I'm sad, but is there anything wrong with that? And when she asked that for like the 15th time, in the past few (laughs) weeks, should I consider that depression, or should I consider that she's just living in a space that I, like Jim, don't naturally go to? Well,
0: sadness is, use the word well, John, it's a season. And Mm. so we all may have a season of sadness, and maybe there's some unfulfilled expectations, or we're living in a difficult time, and maybe there's uh, relationships that are even stressed. So to go through a season of sadness is probably being a human being right <laughs> well yes it uh, is now we don't want to stay in sadness we want to be careful that that mm. doesn't transform into depression where i'm becoming more disabled in my emotions and in my functioning mm.
2: dr jance you also have a story about a woman named kelly who dealt with depression as a result of stress i i probably could relate to that one right. more so when you know usually work related i feel more stress at work than i do at home sure but when you know there was a season years ago, I was just, I was under a lot of stress, right? And I, I think I was leaning into depression, but I didn't know it. Um, it I may just,
0: not be a label we
2: use, right? But I was <laughs> eating more. Yes, and, yes. You know, I wasn't as I just didn't feel as healthy, and right. I I think emotionally I was just under a lot of yes. pressure, and I didn't realize it.
0: Well, let's talk about chronic stress. Chronic stress for many, and by the way. Post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, the whole season, we've all gone through chronic stress. This has affected all of us.
2: It's kind of modern day life is chronic stress. Yes.
0: And so to now varying degrees, maybe you've been in a, a job or a situation where the stress is really intensified. Chronic stress over time, untreated, will cause us to have a physiological response of usually depression and anxiety. You know, our adrenal glands can only pump so much cortisol in our system before after a while the body begins to go, I'm not doing well. Right. <laughs> you know, we start to get messages. And our body can create an internal depression or anxiety because of chronic stress. Yeah. And then chronic stress can also cause us, and you said this so well, Jim, well, I can turn to food, um, or I can start to turn to other things, just as a way to self medicate or kind of try to escape from whatever's going on.
2: Yeah. And i the thing about it at that point, I would think, with chronic stress, we're not even... The flags may not even be going right? off. It's subtle. It, it just comes upon us.
0: Well, and we just keep going when we have right. chronic stress. That's what I did many years ago because my season of depression was a result of chronic stress, very poor self-care, I was not doing well caring for myself, sleep is generally affected, I used to work in sleep research as well, and so we know right now we're seeing uh, high numbers of folks with sleep disorders, sleep insomnia is high, sleep apnea numbers are high, because once we're living in chronic stress, once we're living with depression and anxiety... It will affect our sleep.
2: Yeah. A practical point there is how do we control the controllables? What Mm. are those things we can do in the chronic stress phase that hopefully will catch our attention? And then we can do some things to... Uh, put ourselves in a healthier place.
0: Well, there's a couple simple things I'd suggest doing right away. One is, uh, do you remember the old-fashioned three by five cards? Oh yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I have some.
2: Okay, <laughs> they st- may be dusty.
0: I still, use, I still use these. Uh, in fact, this morning, out of my jacket, I pull. I go, oh, these are from before, um, <laughs> five years <yeah>. ago. <laughs> so so. Um, I want you to take a verse and maybe it's like second Timothy one, seven for God has not given me, make it personalize it a spirit of fear, but of power, love. And here's the key word, sound mind, write that verse down, put that on that three by five card. And I want you to go outside 20 minutes, half hour. I want you to go for a walk and I want you to just start breathing outside. I want you to pull that three by five card out and say God's word out loud. Say mm-hmm. that out loud. Mm-hmm. And, um, Begin to do something to just renew your mind. Now, it sounds really simple, but while you're doing that, I want you to take your water bottle with you. I want you to start drinking water. Under stress, we tend to drink less water. When we're anxious, we drink less water. Start drinking your water again. We drink a lot of other things instead of things that are helpful. Um, I want you to get moving, just that simple movement. Um, And getting outdoors. Now, you will not feel like doing this. You're gonna go, okay, that sounds good, and you will not feel like doing it. This is going to be a decision. Oh, Lord God, help me get outside and do this. Help me start moving again. Um, But also look at what else is going in my mouth. Nutritionally, am I skipping breakfast? Am I not getting enough protein? What am I doing nutritionally?
2: Okay, you got me on that one. (laughs) I did have an Aussie bite. They're very small, uh, and my cup of coffee.
0: So, but it's the simple things that make a big difference over time. But when we're under chronic stress, we stop doing all those good things.
2: I want to uh, highlight the water intake because part of it, you know, sometimes we we think, this is a little wackery or whatever. But the body I saw, like on a 176-pound person, I'm just taking that number as a a number. Sure. But it it said that we need, at that weight, you need about 88 ounces of water a day. Here's the
0: difference it makes. Water improves mood. Water improves concentration. Water improves blood pressure. There's a lot of reasons to drink the water. And everything else that you're going to do, water will help it work. Hmm. So yeah. we've got to go back. Don't and,
2: replace it with soda. Well, it's
0: like, <laughs> it's like the, the gentleman I was talking to recently goes, I think I'm drinking about 12 cups of coffee a day. I go, okay. Now, 12 cups is probably not a good idea. You're going to feel anxious. Right. Right. Was he drinking any water? Right. None. No. Yeah. Okay. Now we fall into those traps uh, when we're under chronic stress. Remember, chronic stress is one of the pathways to depression.
2: Yeah. Let's uh, touch on forgiveness. Yes. That's another aspect of getting to a healthy place. What are the steps of forgiveness we can take to kind of overcome those toxic emotions? Sure. Maybe
0: I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of emotional abuse. Maybe there was an environment where there was a lot of comparisons. Why can't you be more like your sister? Look at her. And so it just taught you that you were not good enough. You never could be good enough. Uh, or maybe there was a tragic uh, physical or sexual abuse, some form mm-hmm. of abuse. Mm-hmm. So that then transferred into a lot of woundedness. And what I'm saying about forgiveness, and we've all heard messages on forgiveness, but I'm saying it's about setting you free. It's a toxic emotion like shame. And we really wanted to begin to cleanse ourselves of that past hurt and pain. And I think forgiveness for a while will be a daily decision. It's a decision I'm not doing this for the other person. I'm doing this for me. And I need, Lord God, help me do this. Help me make a decision to disconnect from that pain. Now, I I will always have the memories. You won't, we don't forget what happens to us, but the power of those memories, you'll find over time with forgiveness and you will find God will do a work under forgiveness and it could be a key to your healing.
2: Yeah. You know, Greg, in that context, the I'm thinking of the person, again, where you have confidence in who you are. I mean, yes. the other word I would use there is comfortableness. Hmm. And we don't need to... I, I would hope we don't feel guilty that we're comfortable with who we are. And that's a good place to be. That's a healthy place to be. right? Uh, not cocky, not arrogant. Those are things that we don't want to be in the spirit of Christ but comfortable, that I'm okay with who I am.
0: It's okay to have what I'll call a high self-regard. It's not an exaggerated sense of self-importance. It's not about being prideful. But I want you to enjoy the peace and joy that the Lord can provide. And with that, you can affect other people. Yeah. With that, your gratitude's going to grow. You're going to feel more optimistic about your future. And so recovery from depression, I want to say, don't give up.
2: Keep going. Mm.
0: There could The despair, as you're hearing our voices today, the despair could be great. You may feel very despondent. Um, don't give up. Yeah. You will not regret
2: it. Stay in the game. Yeah. Well, that's a good encouragement. Let's talk about the power of prayer yes. in that regard because, boy, all over the place now, even medical professionals, surgeons, doctors are talking about the power of prayer, and they're seeing it, that it has an effect on people.
0: Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Yes. And so you may feel like, okay, Lord, I've already prayed and prayed that you deliver me from this depression. I get that. Don't stop praying. Here's something to look at. Perhaps what I need to pray is, Lord God, give me the wisdom. Give me the insight. What is it that I need to address? What is it that I need to do to experience healing, Lord? Just reveal that to me. Maybe what you could do is start a journal. Every day you're going to write just a few sentences or a paragraph. But the prayer really is, Lord God, give me the wisdom I need to really live in the healing that I know, I know you have for me. What am I missing in the whole person? Is there things that I haven't addressed? Is there physiological issues? Um, What do I need to address?
2: And I would think, uh, you know, I know people that have battled with depression, and one of the difficulties is, you know, that straight on approach, Lord, take this away from me. right? And 10 years later, they're still there, uh, because they're kind of stuck in that spot where they're expecting the Lord simply to just do it. And they're not doing what needs to be done internally.
0: Yes. And part of the danger is, well, Lord, you haven't delivered me. You must not love me. You see, we start to think- So now it adds more shame. Right. Exactly. So that's why I say, just change the prayer up a little bit. There's answers. Please, please stay in the game. And and Lord, just show me what I need to do. Who do I need to talk to? Uh, Give me a new and fresh revelation- Uh, So that I can really, and and Lord, as I get healed, help me to be a a good voice for others who are struggling.
2: Well, and that, we're winding in here, but I mean, that is part of the other uh, antidote to this is how in you yourself personally with your own struggles with depression and overcoming it and helping others, uh, finding that personal purpose to help other people who are struggling with depression. I mean, that that's Jim, a I, great thing. Jim, I'm passionate about helping yeah.
0: people have recovery and healing. One is I know it's possible. Wow. I also know the depths of that despair as well. Uh, and that's why I say do not give up. God will promise. God's word is true. You can have a sound mind. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we're just missing uh, certain pieces to the puzzle. So pretend depression's a thousand-piece puzzle. Yeah. Okay, you've got a lot of pieces in there. And maybe there's just a handful of pieces left. We're going to get the puzzle done.
2: Yeah. And that—that that, that mm-hmm. is why we're doing what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And I just want to say, again, we're going to come back. I want to ask you some more questions that fill out. Some of that uh, mind, soul, and body approach that you're talking about. And, you know, we're here for you. This is why Focus on the Family exists for 45 years, starting with Dr. Dobson. I mean, we have wanted to stand in the gap with you. So get a hold Mm -hmm. of us. We have Caring Christian Counselors who can help. Uh, You can set up a phone call. They'll get back to you and talk with you about your situation. They'll pray with you and most likely provide resources for you to continue in the journey. A wonderful place to start is with Dr. Jance's book, Healing Depression for Life. There's a title for you, right? That's the goal. How do you get to a better place? And that is what we want to help you with. So get in touch with us. If you can make a gift of any amount, we'll send it as our way of saying thank you for being part of the ministry. If you can't afford it, we're going to get it into your hands anyway and trust that others will take care of the cost of that because we believe you need this information.
1: Get a hold of us today when you call 800, the letter A and the word family, 800-232-6459. When you get in touch, donate as you can and request a copy of the book by Dr. Jan's Healing Depression for Life. It's an excellent resource for you if you're struggling with depression or... Uh, Given the numbers that were discussed and how widespread this is, every one of us as believers in Christ should probably be having a copy of this. We should be familiar with it so we can reach out and help someone. Healing Depression for Life. Call us for your copy. Uh, We have details as well in the show notes. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we continue the conversation with Dr. Jantz and once again, help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes
0: from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan,